Welcome to the Gentle Counselor podcast, episode number 16. My name is Crystal and I'm the creator of The Gentle Counselor, where we provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. Susie Prout from Susie Prout Lactation is going to talk to us about breastfeeding and mental health. So welcome to the Gentle Counselor podcast, Susie. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you today. And for those of you that might not be familiar with Susie, she's a registered midwife and international board certified lactation consultant from Perth. She's also a mum of three and she teaches women how to breastfeed their babies and helps them with problems that they may come up against on the way. Susie believes that lack of support and lack of modern realistic breastfeeding education is lacking and that this greatly affects mums reaching their breastfeeding goals. She also runs the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast and supports and educates on her Instagram at Susie Prout Lactation. So let's start by first talking about uh, what does mental health and well-being mean to you and is there a current mental health concern that you might have at the moment? Yeah, okay. So mental health is something that before I had children, I hadn't really given it too much thought. Um, I knew it was out there. I knew it affected some people. I never thought it would affect me. Um, And mental health and looking after your mental health on a daily basis was not something I looked into either. Um, But something that did affect me in the past was when I birthed my second child. So I have three children. I have um, a seven-year-old boy, a five-year-old boy, and a two-year-old girl. Um, when I had my first child, he was a really hard baby. He was one of those refluxy, colicky babies. He didn't sleep. Um, Breastfeeding was my hardest with him. But I didn't have any mental health issues when I was going through that um, kind of fourth trimester time, and and I was okay. And then I had my second child two years later, And he was a much easier birth and a much easier baby and a much easier breastfeeding child. So I was really, really shocked when uh, he was about, he was a few months of age. So I had a two-year-old and maybe a two or three-month-old. And I developed postnatal anxiety um, with him. And it took me a little while to go and seek help because in my mind, I had learned all about postnatal depression when I was going through my midwifery and my nursing studies. And in my mind, I thought that postnatal depression meant that you felt depressed and I felt anxious. And I thought, well, I don't feel depressed. I don't think I've ever felt depressed in my life. So I can't have postnatal depression. Um, So, you know, it just must be because I'm tired. And then after a while, it got to the point where I wasn't going out and I'm quite a social person and I um, see my friends a lot and and they help me with my happiness and things. So when I wasn't leaving the house and for some reason I was scared to take my boys out anywhere, even if it was just to the supermarket, I don't know what I was scared of. I don't know what I was scared of happening, but I was making excuses and I was staying home more and more and more. And I was just so scared of ever leaving the house with the both of them because I felt that people would be looking at me 
um, that I wasn't coping. People would know that I was, wasn't, you know, looking after them well, even though I was. Um, and so then I went to the GP and oh yeah, um, she did, um, the, uh, Edinburgh depression scale or whatever that was. And, um, and did a few other things and yeah, and she diagnosed it with postnatal post anxiety, um, kind of a moderate, uh, nearly on nearly on a high kind of scale. So yeah, I, um, I was quite surprised that I had developed that. And, and you know, I started on um, Lexapro, which is an antidepressant that is apparently quite good for anxiety. Um, I started on that and I stayed on that for um, about nine months. Um, and I went to counselling as well. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go on antidepressants, but at that time I was feeling so terrible. I was like, I'll just do anything. So I went on that, but I was very, um, it was really good because I didn't feel like I had to be on them forever. And I slowly tapered off with the help of my psychologist and um, I was absolutely fine. And then when I had my third child, I didn't experience any of that anxiety either. So it's a big learning curve for me. And I always say to my clients that just because you've never had mental illness, mental illness or mental health concerns in the past, when you have children, things can change. And even if you have a really good experience with your first child, it doesn't mean that you're going to have the same with your second. So to always kind of keep um, you know, an eye on it. That's such a good point that our experiences with each child can be so different. And that's what happened to me with my first, with my daughter. She was actually quite easy to breastfeed. You know, I did like the calm birth courses and we made sure to go do the classes that, you know, the midwives in the hospital offered on, on uh, breastfeeding. And luckily I found some really good uh, breastfeeding support groups online early on to help educate me as well. And then with my son, who I had about two and a half years later, that was a completely different experience where I remember finding it a lot harder and his latch was a little bit off and different. And I also suffered with nursing aversion. And that was something that I had read about that had absolutely no idea how it felt which is horrible for anyone that experiences that yeah and so that brought in its own challenge and mental health wise there really is something that goes on with your hormones but then like you said there's other factors like lack of sleep or I know for myself and others if you're having trouble in your relationship even or just that difficulty adapting to how different life is with every addition in your family, especially with the first, I feel is like the most hard hitting because you just have absolutely no idea what it's going to be like. Yeah. Um, and it's just so important to get that support because I didn't realize that I probably was actually experiencing postpartum depression and anxiety. And it wasn't until I started looking online because I was so upset thinking there was something wrong with me because I suffered with postpartum rage and I just couldn't understand why I couldn't control my emotions. And I, it would feel like my brain would go from zero to a hundred so fast. And then I realized that's what was happening. But for me, that was well into like 10 to 12 months after that I realized. And I feel like the more we talk about this, the more we are helping others realize that they're not alone and that there is help and support out there. And, you know, when we're talking about things like breastfeeding, so often I've seen women be told to stop 
And that even happened to me. I remember going to one of those like play groups for music with my daughter and she must have been maybe four or six months old. I think she was four months old, you know, that notorious time where they hit that, you know, the wonder weeks where yeah. it's like high development and they just don't sleep. And yeah. I'm not blessed with good sleepers anyway. <laughs> um, and I just remember all the women in that group were telling me to put her on formula as if that was the magical answer to getting her to sleep at night. And yeah. I'm so thankful I didn't listen <laughs> to that. Um, but I feel like there's this yeah. misconception where women are told that stopping breastfeeding, especially before they were, you know, the goals that they might've had, whether that was like two years or, you know, a couple years, whatever it might be, can actually have the opposite effect and make your mental health worse. And so I, I was wondering, do you have any, uh, stories? Have you ever worked with women where they've experienced that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's interesting when you say that girls will, you know, friends and family, well-meaning friends and family will say, if you swap to formula, they will sleep more. If you stop to swap to formula, um, the babies will be happier. And then in turn, you'll be happier. You won't, um, feel mm. all these problems that you were having with breastfeeding won't be there anymore. So you'll be happier. And when you are in the midst of um, a breastfeeding crisis, I like to call it um, when it's you kind of coming to that crossroads um, where you are, uh, you're finding it so hard that you're either going to go one way, which is go down the, the mixed feeding and essentially formula route. Because um, as we know, with um, lots of studies is that mixed feeding in the end moves on to, more formula, less breast milk and, and mm -hmm. formula. Um, or you're going to go down the other way, which is support and um, uh, more education and maybe some con lactation consultant. And so when, when you go um, at that in that breastfeeding crisis, you feel often that if you just went down the formula route, you won't feel this bad anymore. And so it's a short-term thing. We don't, girls don't seem to look at... Um, you know, but this is not what I wanted. This is not the goal that I wanted. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure in one year's time, I'm going to look back at this and be happy with this. A lot of the time, the girls are so stressed that they look at the short term goal, which is fix my feeding. And that is often they feel like formula is the way. So that'll happen. And then they'll go down the formula route and everything usually is great for about two to three weeks. Um, and I'm just thinking about a client that I had recently um she came to me after stopping breastfeeding completely for um, relactation advice um and she said the same thing which i always feel is two to three weeks you're on a bit of a high um and you're finding things easier because you're not dealing with your breastfeeding problems but trust me that kind of that time comes to an end whether it's an adrenaline thing and then often girls feel some guilt mm. um, that, okay, actually I, I do miss breastfeeding. Actually, why didn't I find um, some, some more support? And then we start feeling a bit of um, grief in, and, and a bit of anger because then it's like, well, why is there no more support? Why didn't I have support when I wanted it from the hospital or from the child health nurses? Or um, why did my friends and family not support me? And so you go from, from guilt as a mum to um, that this, this kind of anger of 
you know, how can we be living in Australia where there's health services are so great, but this one, this part of health services are not great. Um, and then that is where the problem starts because if a girl comes to me for relactation, um, you know, honestly, relactating when your breasts have completely stopped um, producing milk is, um, it's not impossible, but it is really, really tough. Um, and it, it doesn't always work. More often than not, it doesn't work. If, if you know, if you've got a low supply and it's dwindling, then yes, we can increase it. But when your body has stopped producing milk completely, um, to try and then increase it is, is pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so disappointing when we hear these stories afterwards. And I know even with some of the women that I've helped online in these breastfeeding groups, that a lot of them feel that anger and disappointment because then they realize this extra option or this different option was out there and they didn't know about it. Even for example, the difference between a lactation consultant and someone like you, who's an international board certified lactation consultant, those are very different. You've done hours and so much training and people don't realize they're GPs, doctors, they're not trained in breastfeeding. And you know, you really need to go and find that support. But at the same time, it's hard for us to just say that because we can't also expect people to know this because it's still unfortunately not talked about or not advertised about enough. And what the research that I've seen shows us is that the longer that we breastfeed, the greater mental health outcomes that we can have for ourselves and even our child, because stopping can make things worse, especially if it's sudden and then you have that drop in hormones. And even for me, I always knew I wanted to meet that, um, you know, the World Health Organization standard or the goal of two years. And so I know if I, if I had planned to reach that goal and then if I stopped before I was ready to, then surely that would also put you at a greater risk for developing things like postpartum depression and all the other things that come from that. There's such a range of consequences that can happen when women are not supported and informed enough in their journey. When you say the uh, stopping really suddenly, so weaning should be a natural process. And if it is that you're helping things along with weaning, it it should still be a really long process. That is because the hormones that are involved with breastfeeding, so you've got prolactin, which increases when you're breastfeeding, and that is to make your milk and to stop ovulation. So if you were to stop suddenly, your prolactin levels would, um, would just drop. Um, and then the other thing is estrogen is kept really low when you're breastfeeding. And so it would, they, it would just shoot back up straight away. And so having the, um, all the problems surrounding how you feel about stopping breastfeeding as well, coupled with the prolactin levels changing and the estrogen levels changing and the way you feed your baby changing, obviously now going to a bottle, all those three things, um, can really cause um, turmoil for a mum. I mean, it is bad enough. Even myself, when I stopped breastfeeding um, my three kids, um, I'm just thinking about my most recent one, knowing that with her, you know, that was going to be my last breastfeeding journey because she's my last child. Even though um, I ended up breastfeeding her until over two, um, just slowly weaning her like that 
is really, really sad. And I felt for about seven to 10 days, really quite flat. Um, I had pimple breakouts, which is what um, girls often get, with, you know, coupled with that stress. And I think that is hard enough. When you're stopping breastfeeding, it's hard enough, but stopping it prematurely um, when you didn't want to um, is, you know, is even harder. And, and you also speak about um, when girls realise later on down the track that there actually was support out there, but they didn't know where to turn. And that is the thing. And it's so... Ah, oh, it's it's so sad because there are a lot of international board certified lactation consultants out there that um, consult um, on a private level. There are a few breastfeeding clinics around in the public sector, um, but if you wanted to see a lactation consultant public going through the public sector, the wait times are so long and the follow up is so poor that it's. I don't find, well, girls have certainly said to me that they don't actually find it's helpful because if you need to see a lactation consultant, you actually need to see one now, you know, not in three weeks time. Yes, exactly. If, you know, or um, you may see one, you may be able to lucky enough to see one, but then you'll need to, that same lactation consultant needs to follow up with you, you know, in three days or four days to see that the plans that they put in place are working. And if you haven't got follow up, it's another reason why lots of my ladies will say, yes, I had a great lactation consultant um, come to my house from the hospital when I, my baby was seven days old, but then I never heard from her again. And it's not that lady's fault. She's part of the hospital team and, you know, she does what she needs to do with her, um, the way her, the organisation works. But these are the issues these girls are coming against, you know. I know another factor that comes into this is uh, being diagnosed with something like how you were diagnosed with postnatal anxiety and being yeah. recommended medication. And so another factor that comes into this is thinking that women cannot breastfeed taking any medication really, let alone ones for our mental health. So did, how did you find that in your journey when you were navigating that with your GP? Was that an issue for you or did you find that quite yeah. easy to find one that was breastfeeding safe? Yeah, so lucky for me, um, in the work that I do, I knew the medications that were completely safe. And my GP happened to, um, she's she's very breastfe breastfeeding friendly, and um, she happened to recommend Lexa Lexapro. She knows I'm a lactation consultant. Um, and she said, you know, as you know, this is completely safe. And she was very much in the camp of, this is not the time to be stopping breastfeeding. Um, however, that is actually the minority. My case is the minority. If you get a girl going in scared, um, next minute she's um, being given an antidepressant, she would automatically feel like, I do not want my baby um, being exposed to a, um, you know, a strong antidepressant, you know, that they're strong, um, a strong medication. The GP might say, um, you know, this is this is category this or category this, and um, you know, it should be fine, and um, you know, blah blah blah. But that doesn't actually satisfy women when she's breastfeeding, thinking, well, there's still a small chance mm. that my baby is um, is getting that. So um, then women will say to me that they were told by their GP, um, yes, no, it should be fine, but double check with the pharmacist, which is <laughs> yes. often what they say. Yeah, and, I've heard know, that before. <laughs> Yeah, if if this poor woman who's going through a crisis um, needs to now go and check with a pharmacist 
Um, firstly, will they even get that script filled? Uh, you know, that's going to be hard enough for them mm. to go and do that. And then to ask the pharmacist, or there's a um, breastfeeding and, uh, and drugs information hotline in every state. There are fantastic hotlines, but um, to expect a woman to go and call that hotline is, is just going to be hard as well. Mm. So, um, oh, I mean, I would absolutely love it. Um, one of my like goals in life, I don't know how this is ever, I don't know how I'd get GPs to come to come to a conference, but I would just love to educate GPs on um, how to manage a breastfeeding woman. Yes, because that would be amazing. I, I doubt this is going to happen. I can't imagine. Oh, you, you've said it now, Susie, you 100%. <laughs> that would be amazing. It is so needed. You know, it really is. And I would almost love to get an insider view into what training they actually get when they're doing their yes. studies, because really the amount of information I know now was not in anything I read or anyone told me it's literally mm. because of breastfeeding groups. And the, yes. the one I'm going to mention, if anyone is looking for one to join, it's called the breastfeeding cooperative Australia. And the admin yeah. team is absolutely amazing. And I know you're a member of the group as well. Susie, yeah. And yeah, it's awesome. Everyone is so good. And we follow the principle of informed and supported is best. And the yeah. wealth of knowledge and support that these women have given me, let alone give our members is absolutely phenomenal. But it makes me sad that so many people are still missing this. Yeah. And I love how you say the supported and informed is best. So for any girls who are wondering um, coming into World Breastfeeding Week, there's going to be a lot of um, a de debate, I guess, I mean, a lot of debate about, because there always is, fed is best, breast is best, what is it? And so when we say fed is best, um, fed, feeding a baby is not a choice. So you, you can't choose to feed a baby. If feeding a baby is essential. It's the it's the the bottom line. Every baby has to get fed. So saying fed is best is is not the right thing to say because fed is essential. Every baby's got to be fed. That's the bottom line. Saying breast is best, um, we all know that breast milk is the best milk for your baby, and we can't actually dispute that because we know that. Um, but saying breast is best is taking if if a woman who struggled to breastfeed took that comment and she's dealing with mental health issues, she could feel quite disillusioned. Um, and so we all really feel like if we say support and informed is best, we're saying that if we give breastfeeding women support, they will breastfeed for longer. If we inform a woman about the benefits of breastfeeding physically and mentally, the benefits of breast milk for, for you and for your baby, um, they will breastfeed for longer. So breast, breast is best is not going to increase our breastfeeding rates, but informing and supporting a woman is going to increase our breastfeeding rates. So that's where we, we come from for girls wondering what all those terms mean. I wholeheartedly agree with every single thing you just said. So thank you so much for sharing that with us because I'm the same. And, you know, I remember when I first heard that term fed is best and I did think, oh yeah, that, that sounds good. That seems to make sense. But then once I realized, which is pretty much exactly what you just said, and 
luckily I had some wonderful women around me to gently and kindly educate and share information about how damaging that is and including how damaging Mm. the breast is best is. And I realized it's so correct that the blame isn't, and you know, blame for lack of a better word, isn't on us as women. It really is everything around us. It's, you know, all the way up to the government, to policies, to lack of our general practitioners and, you know, mental health care providers and everyone around us not having this information about breastfeeding, which is truly ridiculous when it's literally how the human race has survived. You'd really think it'd be at the utmost importance on, you know, how babies, how children are fed matters. And so informed and supported as best is, is that it's about putting the information out there, supporting women through it. And that is really the best choice and the best outcome for everyone, for both the mother and the child. Yeah. And if we, if we say fed is best as well, we girls will think that we can give a bottle of formula and it's okay. And it's not that one bottle of formula. That's a problem. I'm not saying that you can't give your baby formula as well as, well as breast milk. Um, there's lots of times when you haven't got enough breast milk um, in those early days, if there were issues with supply, um, you know, some girls don't make enough glandular tissue to make enough milk. So that's not saying that you, you can't do that, but if you think it's okay to give some formula without having the support and the information from a, professional to say right do you realize that if you give a bottle of formula every day at this time your milk supply is going to decrease because you're not sending all those messages to your brain from um, breastfeeding to say make more milk so then you're going to make less milk and so then you're going to have to start getting two bottles of formula a day and then you bet your body is going to make less milk and then in the end of the day you're going to suddenly realize you're not going to realize how you got there but three weeks later you're giving more formula than breast milk and then your breast milk is dwindling and then you go off and say, I had to stop breastfeeding because I have a low supply. Mm. And that is damaging because that is, you don't have a low supply. You just weren't breastfeeding enough to keep your supply going. And so saying fed is best, it, it often becomes a bit of a spiral and that um, top up trap is probably where most women um the reason most women stop breastfeeding before they want to stop breastfeeding, it's because they got into that trap and they didn't know how to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And I've also found the problem with saying that is best is for those women that do go through struggles like low supply or, uh, you know, tongue and lip ties and have fought so hard uh, to reach their breastfeeding goals, saying that to them can actually also be very dismissive of what they've had to do. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And everyone's got a, a breastfeeding goal. And this is where it comes back to mental health is that if you have a goal, anything in life, if you've got a goal um, with fitness, if you've got a goal with some education you're doing, but if you've got a goal with breastfeeding and you don't reach those goals, if you feel you've done everything you can to reach those goals, then you're less likely to have a crisis. But if you didn't have the support to do everything you can, then that is where the um, psychological issues come into play. Exactly. You're so right. And it's like many things to do with parenting. We are not supposed to do any of this alone. So we really do need to have people around us that are going to be there to truly support us and have our best interest and our child's best interest at heart. And I know that you're someone I can go to if ever I have any concerns. And so (laughs) if anyone listening is worried or if you're 
thinking of having a child or if you're pregnant or if you've had a troubled breastfeeding uh, journey in the past, then do make sure to reach out to Susie. I know she's very present on Instagram and I love watching her stories daily. She also does a lot of um, opportunities for you to ask questions and she gets so many that she has to limit them to 10. (laughs) I do too. But there's also... My husband will be like, get off the the phone. (laughs) There's also the Breastfeeding Cooperative Australia. There's also a private Facebook group in that if you would like some more support. And Susie, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today and talking to us about this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no problem. I could talk about breastfeeding till the cows come home. So um, yeah, anytime. <laughs> Same. And before I forget, uh, Susie's website is susieproutlactation.com and she's based in Perth. But I do believe Susie also does uh, virtual um, sessions as well. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So I do um, because I, well, before COVID, I um, went between Jakarta in Indonesia and Perth. And so I would do my Perth sessions, but then often I was in Indonesia and I would do my virtual sessions. But now looks like we'll be here for a while. <laughs> so yes. yeah, I, I still do virtual, but um, also the whole of Perth as well. Perfect. Thank you so much again, Susie. Yeah, pleasure. Bye.